All right. Welcome to the Stupid Oracle. I don't know. I don't even know if that's what I'm going to call this show. Keep thinking about it, thinking about it. I don't know. Name's just not coming to mind. And I had planned on doing this show with uh, a bunch of friends, but truthfully, I think everybody's a little bit concerned about being on the mic because it's something new, something different, and they're just not used to it. So I'm going to start recording solo for a little bit, and then uh, whatever happens, happens, you know? And I'm still trying to work the volume a little bit so it's not so crazy. Uh, so what's on my what's on my mind right now? Just listening to a lot of podcasts about the UFC lately and MMA. Got Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor is announced, and I mean it's about fucking time, right? That fight has been in the works. I feel like forever. I'm still not completely convinced on Khabib really even like is is he really the champion he fought Aya Quinta which is just kind of a match that came out of nowhere because of a lot of drama people missing weight not being able to fight so yeah he's the champ but is he the true champ not really I'd say Conor McGregor is he the true champ Mm, no he vacated his title well, he didn't vacate it. He's going to hold on to that thing forever. Wouldn't leave it. And I think, to me, true champ, Tony Ferguson. I think he's the man right now in that division. He deserves all the... Like, he should be the guy, you know, fighting for the main event. But it is what it is. This is the way that the UFC's played out. And... I think on who's going to win this fight who this is a, it could go either way. Conor McGregor is so precise with his punches. It's ridiculous. He could 100% go out there in the first round and catch Khabib and put him on the ground. That is absolutely possible. But the longer the fight goes on, it 100% sways towards Khabib. His wrestling is ridiculous. He just does everything better on the ground than than anybody else. And I think a guy like Connor, he's never really been tested that much on the ground. I think he was down on the ground for a little bit with Mendez. Um, if my memory serves me right, he kind of just survived that round and then came back and uh, and put him away with precision. But he gets tired. You saw it with the Nate fight the second time around. Obviously, the first time around, he got he was exhausted. And Nate is a hell of a fighter. He's really, really good. But Nate's been beat by a lot of people. And for him to go out there and put McGregor away kind of lets you know. It lets you, everybody know like how, how good McGregor is, right? He's been fighting, I think, way above his skill set for a while. I think the fight with Aldo was lucky. And yeah, maybe, you know, he practiced that one punch in the locker room beforehand, whatever. But I think that fight goes down 10 more times. You're never going to see him land 
one punch like that, again, it's just not going to happen. Um, and I, I think what he's better at than fighting is getting in people's heads, and it throws them off their game, even with Eddie Alvarez. He threw Eddie Alvarez off of his game before the fight even happened. Does he do that against Khabib? I think definitely not. I think Khabib is completely immune to the shit talking because he has all the confidence in the world and he just doesn't give a fuck. I think more than anybody, I think Khabib is the least intimidated over Conor McGregor than anybody Conor's fought before. So I think I don't think the head games work on him at all. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch all the interviews and all the shit leading up to it. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But I think uh, I think he does a good job avoiding all the bullshit. But yeah, back to the whole you know Nate Connor thing. Nate's what? I don't even know his record. I don't have it up right now. But I think he's like a 500 fighter. Like he's lost a lot of fights and he's won a lot of fights. Um, and for him to go out and put out put Conor McGregor out in the second round the first time, and then on the second fight, there was times when. McGregor was running away from Nate because he was so tired. I mean, he, he like if you go back and I need to go back and watch that fight, but there's times, yeah, where Nate was or uh, Connor was running away, and I think if you do that against Khabib, I think Khabib walks him down and is absolutely relentless. I don't think he'll allow Connor to run away. I think he'll push the pace so hard that Connor. Um, just gets smothered, and that's gonna be kind of no different from what Khabib's done to just about everybody else. Um, yeah. So those are my thoughts on on those guys. So the guy who's really getting screwed out of all this is Dustin Poirier. I think Poirier is not hyped up enough. The guy's legit. His fight with uh, Gaethje was awesome, was incredible, and his fight with Alvarez was even better. I think the fact that he fought Alvarez once nearly put him away, and then it, you know there was some controversy with the knee and all that jazz. Um, but I think when you go back and, and you look at how he fought him the second time, like he's a smart fighter. He knew how that fight was going to go. He had Eddie's timing, everything figured out. And, you know, he just he just put it to work, and I think it was a fairly easy fight for him. I think the fat, fact that he's fought McGregor before gives him some, some good insight, and uh, I think he's a much better fighter than what he was the first time that they they fought. So I hope, I hope that Nate Diaz's fight with Poirier actually goes through. I mean, some, Brendan Schaub said that... Uh, you know, Nate was talking all this shit about fuck the UFC and I'm not fighting on that card and all that stuff just to gain some more attention back on himself. I hope that's the case. I think Poirier deserves a money fight and uh, because of how many people follow Nate, hopefully this gives a little bit more credit to Poirier. And I hope Poirier goes out and puts on a really good show, puts Nate away, and then we can just kind of be done with, with Nate Diaz. And then uh, Poirier can fight who either 
Tony Ferguson or um, the winner of the Khabib McGregor fight because I think he deserves a title shot. Hopefully that works out for him. Uh, so now I want to talk about uh, the overall state, basically, of the UFC. My thoughts on, on what's going on with the UFC. I think the UFC is super fun to watch. And I think a lot of people really enjoy watching watching the fights. And I think the quality of fighters has never been better. And people know that. But the problem is, is that they're just they're not doing a great job at marketing all these fighters to the general public. And really, like the hardcore fans are never gonna go away, right? I'm a hardcore fan. I'm gonna watch regardless of you know how much they hype people up because I I just love the sport. But the average person needs a character. They need a personality to follow. And the UFC just isn't doing a very good job of uh, promoting people. In fact, more than more than anything, Dana White, he just bashes on people. Um, you know, he just puts them down. And, you know, who, who wants to pay $70 for a UFC pay-per-view when the head of the company, the president, is just putting people down and talking shit? It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, they need to promote the fighters better, 100%. And truthfully, they put on so many fucking shows every year that it's really hard for the average person to even give a shit when, you know, there's a fight every single weekend. It, it, it takes away the importance and it takes away how special each event is. Uh, you know, even myself, like I love the sport, obviously, because I've been talking about it for the past 10 minutes, but I only have so much money in the bank account, you know, and I'm going to start covering the fights more often. I'm going to start putting, you know, kind of reviews and my thoughts about each event, but I can't, I can't afford to spend $70 once a month to watch these UFC events. Like I I can only do probably two a year and that's about it. And it's ultra time consuming when you order a pay-per-view, especially if you, I mean, if you want to watch the prelims because um, the prelims start at five, that's usually on the Fox stuff. And then the last fight ends around 10, uh, maybe nine thirty or so. So you're talking about four and a half to five hours for a pay-per-view event every other week um it just doesn't work out it's way easier to sell it to the wife twice a year than it is every single weekend or or once a month for the pay-per-view um and you know because of the rise in price of the pay-per-view events that i mean that's really the big thing right people who don't even know who the fighters are are not gonna spend the money to watch the fights that's why Brock Lesnar is such a big draw because people know who he is he's and he's good enough that people who don't watch UFC know that he has a chance to win so because he's a big name and he's good enough to potentially win they're gonna tune in so they know the name 
Um, I think the UFC 100% needs to go away from the pay-per-view model. Or, I mean, just take it back down to 40 bucks. Like, I don't know what you're getting out of the $70 realm. Um, I, I, I don't know what they're seeing on the other side. Like, oh, we raised our price to $70 per pay-per-view. Now we're crushing it and we're making a shitload of money. Because pay-per-view buys have never been so low. Well, I mean, I don't know when they've been this low before. Even for awesome fights, they're still uh, super low. I'm really interested to see what the TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt uh, pay-per-view did, considering, I mean, really, there was two fights on there that people were talking about. Um, Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo and TJ versus uh, Cody Garbrandt. I mean, that was it. And... You know, it's kind of crazy to think, like, I'm a huge fan. I watch just about every event or keep track of every event. But most of the time when I turn on UFC, the first, like, six fights, I have no idea who these guys are because there's so many people on the roster. So there's got to be, uh, I don't know, there's got to be a change somewhere for sure. Lower the pay-per-view because it's way too damn expensive. Start promoting fighters better. And you know what I think they should do? You know, I think the Embedded's awesome. Um, I think the, uh, you know, Countdown stuff is really cool. It's needed, definitely. But what I think they should do somehow is, uh, like right now they have Hard Knocks for the Cleveland Browns every year, different team, right? Um, I think they should go with like a camp show. Like, uh, I know it's hard to do it beforehand because you can't give away, you know, strategies and you you don't want to show the other fighter all the shit that you're working on. Um, But I think if they just followed a guy through camp and, um, and just showed the daily, like, grind, the ins and the outs and made it like, like a season almost if there was like maybe five episodes that was just devoted to following a guy through camp uh, i think people would be really into that because people i think they love watching the training side and seeing how much work and effort that everybody puts into stuff so maybe if they did something like that and i if they had to maybe they could put it out after the fight's over and could show you know, all the nitty gritty stuff, how they trained, what they did, um, and maybe just compensate the fighters for giving access to that. Because, you know, if they're going to give away trade secrets on how they train, they should be uh, compensated for sure. Um, But I I think a lot of people would love to watch that shit. It'll be awesome. I mean, it's kind of like the model that CrossFit does. Um, You know, they, they do such a good job of promoting individual athletes that people just eat it up you know crossfit's turning turning these competitors into superstars because of the production before the games you know if they didn't do that production and then you just hosted the games i don't think people would really give two shits i think people need characters to root for or root against I mean, that's that's why, you know, you make movies and, and TV shows 
and you write scripts is you have a good guy and you have a bad guy and uh, people need more of that like with the crossfit you know they'll put out before the games even happen they'll put out you know hour-long episodes that's just dedicated to you know two people um like they had matt frazier versus the world because he's such a dominant force um they basically knew he was going to win beforehand but you know and then they just hyped up they hyped him up like a motherfucker I, I think it'd be sweet if they would do that with UFC fighters um, before or after the uh, the fights. I think that's where it needs to go. And then hopefully that would start drawing people in more um, to watch it. Because, I mean, I work in an environment where, I, you know, I work around nothing but guys who are, I guess some people would consider alpha males, whatever. You know, some people hate that term. Um, but I, I work in, like, the demographic of people who should be watching the UFC. You know, and in my office, I have 11, 11 guys that I work with. It's me and one other guy that watch the UFC pretty consistently and can talk about the fights. Most of the guys in the office... Um, if I even talk to them about a certain fighter, it, they, it has to be the cream of the crop for me to talk to them, like a, a McGregor or John Jones or something. Be, and then they'll understand who I'm talking about. But if I were to bring up like Yoel Romero or Chris Weidman or something, um, they're probably not going to know really who I'm talking about too well. Uh, or, or Dustin Poirier. They're not going to know who I'm talking about which is pretty shitty because fighters have never been better and they need to be pumped up a little bit more. Like how um, Dana White just blasts Francis Ngannou, which I kind of get where he's coming from because that fight was super shitty. Uh, I was there at UFC 226, and I was super pumped to watch uh, Francis Ngannou and uh, the Black Beast go at it. And that fight fucking sucked. That was one of the, I think it was the worst fight that I've ever seen. And I mean, in the middle of the fight, the crowd was doing the wave because it was so bad, which means that you're looking, instead of looking at the fight, you're in the crowd, you're looking at the crowd waiting for the wave to get to you so that you can do the wave when it gets to you. Um, and by the time they came to the announcement on, on who won, um, everybody was booing so loudly that you couldn't even hear the announcement of, of who won. And then, I mean, I was I was dying laughing when they didn't even come up and do an interview. I, I really wish I could see if there's some, like, back footage of Dana White going up to Joe Rogan and saying, hey, don't. Uh, don't go interview him or don't interview that motherfucker or what, you know, however Dana White talks. But I'd love to see if there's some some footage of that going down or why Rogan didn't do it. Like if there was a, in his headpiece or something, they were like, don't even bother going in there to, to do the interview. Um, But yeah, so Dana White trashes Ngannou, 
which beforehand he was to- a total Ninganu uh, dick rider, and then all of a sudden he has a shitty fight, and now he's a, you know a super turd, and he's got things wrong in his head. You've got to you've got to market it different. I don't know. Uh, I'd I'd say you immediately book another fight if he's willing to take it. You book another fight right off the bat with an ultra aggressive, um, heavyweight. And and just get him in there slugging because I think if he is forced to slug, I think Ngannou still fucking beats the brakes out of, off of most people in in the uh, heavyweight division. So yeah, we got to fix the pay per view model. I'm super excited that they're going to ESPN because I think that's going to bump up how many people watch. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll see it firsthand in the office that I'm at. Like I said, I only have two guys that that watch the UFC hopefully with the ESPN plus deal it boosts that up and I hope to God they start either a going away from so many pay-per-views which it doesn't seem like they're gonna do or or you need to stack the fuck out of the pay-per-views like if a hardcore fan like me looks at a pay-per-view lineup and I don't recognize five of the fights like either guy from five of the fights, then there's a problem. Like pay-per-view should be to the point where you stack that card so fucking hard that I can't not buy the pay-per-view. I feel like that's what every pay-per-view should be to where I feel like I am missing out on one of the biggest fights if I don't get the pay-per-view and maybe do like, at most, at most five pay-per-views a year, but more like four. I think going to four is it's where it's at. And then if you're going to have a card where there's only like two huge fights, like the TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, and um, Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, that 100% should have been a fight night, like on main Fox. That should have been on main Fox, just like the Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez fight, which was awesome. The fact that that was on Fox, I think, I think those two cards should have been combined and that should have been on pay-per-view. Like that's a pay-per-view card to me, not just, and even, I don't care if it's two title fights. I'm sorry. The card just needs to be stacked better than that because I can't, I can't even tell you who was on the undercard for the rest of that event. I can't. And, man, speaking of TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, I feel bad for Cody Garbrandt. The fact that he almost had it in the first fight and then got it even worse in the second fight, like, TJ Dillashaw has you figured the fuck out. Like, he's got to go back. And he's got to completely redo his game or tighten his game up way more if he ever wants to beat TJ Dillashaw. Because clearly uh, TJ's got his his number. Um, And I don't know I don't know what you do if you're if you're Cody or who you who you fight. But his all that confidence that he had beforehand, uh, I feel like is pretty shot right now. Um. Yeah, yeah, sucks. But we'll see what happens. 
and then you've got uh, Henry Cejudo calling out uh, TJ afterwards. I mean, sure, like I guess it just makes the most sense because you want you want to get a money fight because that's the world we're living in now. But I truthfully think that you can, you can't not give Demetrius Johnson the immediate rematch because of the success he's had in that division for so long. And I think finally the fact that he loses, I think, brings an even bigger draw to the trilogy fight between those two. I think it's actually good for for DJ. Maybe not the fact that you know he doesn't have that that streak still going, but I think he gets paid more if he fights Cejudo next. Um, he's injured right now, or supposedly injured, DJ is, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, if he is pretty injured and he can't go again, then, yeah, maybe uh, TJ and Henry Cejudo fight. I mean... I, if DJ's injured, I don't care about that fight. I mean, I do care about that fight. I would 100% watch it, but it doesn't it doesn't piss me off. As a hardcore fan, I'm not like, oh, that's not right. You know, the next guy should be in line or whatever. I don't care. Um, normally, I am pretty dead set on, hey, you're the champion. You fight the number one contender, and that's it. I usually hate the idea of the money fight. I think that's the one big way that McGregor has kind of ruined MMA in some form. Like he's, he's sucked up all the attention for himself and it's left everybody else in the shitter because of the money fights. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like it just needs to be, if you're the champion, whoever the number one contender is, I mean, that's the guy you fight. And you know, if that number one contender can't go, okay, then move down to the next. I think as a champion, you shouldn't really have the option to pick who you want to fight or not fight. I don't agree with that. So, um, and then you have the Fox rankings, or not Fox rankings, but I think that's something Fox wanted them to do. But really, I mean, what are those rankings for? Like, all they did was kind of confuse people and... And all of a sudden, you might have a guy who's at anywhere from 8 to 10 who is a fucking absolute beast and up-and-comer. But now because he's ranked 8 or lower, then the draw for him is less to the normal like public eye, you know, because he's not like a number 2 or a number 1. Really, when you throw those rankings on people... Now, all of a sudden, the only people that the rest of the world cares about are champ, number one, number two. Everybody below that kind of gets shit on, right? And so if you remove those rankings, then everybody everybody be, can be excited by just word of mouth or by the hype of commentators or podcasters or you know, whatever the guys on ESPN are talking about, you know, they don't have to throw that number out they, out there. They can just say, hey, this guy's a motherfucker. Like, this guy's legit, super talented, world-class, and then people can be excited about it. They're not going to judge him by that stupid-ass number. Um, and then you can, you can have guys who are just crushing it and uh, just bump them up right away for a, a title shot because they're just smashing people or, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, I think the champion always needs to fight the number one. 
or the guy who's just been crushing it under him and uh, the holdouts and all this other stupid shit where uh, people are complaining about wanting the money fight and all that stuff. I think we just need to get away from that because I think all you do is you log jam divisions when you, when you do that and you delay really good guys from being able to show everybody what, what they could normally do. Right. I think the reason why you have guys like Conor McGregor um, getting to that superstar level is because they were allowed to fight consistently all the way up to the top without getting log jammed. You know, they were just smashing people, doing what they needed to do, and then all of a sudden they're at that championship fight. And there was no holdup. There was no super long delay other than maybe an injury. But then they got to that fight, and now they're a fucking superstar. But now you have these celebrities and guys coming back, like GSP, and uh, you know you're causing these log jams where you know the the momentum that other guys are developing, like Dustin Poirier, now all of a sudden gets stuck because he's waiting for these guys to do their money fights, and. And then what happens when those those guys lose at the top? Then all of a sudden you don't have any star power and you're left with a bunch of people that nobody really knows about and then you have these huge dips in the UFC like what we have right now. So I think the system that they had with Zufa back in the day is what propelled UFC to be where it is now. And now that you've got this sale to the WME um, and they started creating these money fights and all this shit, now this is why you see the decline you know along with the super high prices on on the pay-per-view and not boosting fighters enough that's uh basically how everything is well uh been kind of rambling on for the last 30 minutes um who knows when I'll do the next podcast hopefully i can get the get a couple buddies on and and we can have some different conversations. It's not always going to be about MMA. Who knows? I might go on a rant about CrossFit or I don't know. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. And, yeah, have a great day. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android. 